Welcome to the Max Capacity Podcast. I'm your host, Ed McDonald III, EM3. We're bringing you the hottest topics impacting the world today. Connecting voices not only coast to coast, but also internationally across the pond. To join the podcast as a live listening audience, go to my website at www.iamem3.com for more details. We thank you for checking us out today. You could have been anywhere, but you chose to be here and spend your time with us. So now sit back and enjoy this episode of Max Capacity. Good evening, good evening, good evening. I appreciate y'all being here with us tonight on season two, helping us kick off season two of Max Capacity. Thank you for being here with us. As always, as we as we kind of wrap things up last year and ended on a high note with season one, I just want to say thank you. God bless you. I appreciate all of you being here with us tonight. You could have been anywhere, but you chose to be here with us tonight. So I thank you for being here with us tonight. And I'm going to verbally say this. I posted it on there. I do have a treat uh, for the women. Uh, 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 this listening live, uh, uh, a little compilation that I want to surprise you with. Hopefully that it plays. And I do want to say I did put it in writing on Facebook. I don't want to get in any trouble, right? Uh, we do not own any of the rights to any of the videos or music that you'll that'll be briefly played during the broadcast. It is only shared for a moment for educational purposes only. All right, but let me share something with you real quick. This is just a special treat and celebration of women's history. Human rights are women's rights, and women's rights are human rights once and for all. It's our time to have wage equality once and for all. This is no simple reform. Mm -hmm. It really is a revolution. My first topic I want to talk about is 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 with women on businesses. There's been an increase, right, in women-owned businesses. Okay, and we're talking about we're not talking about in corporate America. That's I got another topic for the corporate America side, but we're talking about female entrepreneurs. Okay, women that are entrepreneurs out there grinding, making it happen, leading a small business, uh, putting their gifts, their talents, and their skills together, and really out there making this thing happen uh, for themselves, but also making a difference in society. You know, our, our country was built on small businesses, right? This, this is the, this is, this is, that's supposed to be the American dream, right? Um, and, and there's no greater freedom than having your own business and, and being able to have that opportunity. And not all the small businesses, uh, not all of these folks are multimillionaires. You know, some of these small businesses, I mean, you know, they're, 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 they're middle wage, you know, if they were in the workforce. It's not, and it's, so for them, some of them, it's not about just getting rich. It's not about just being wealthy. Because some entrepreneurs, it's about freedom. For some entrepreneurs, it's about, um, you know, having, having th th their own schedule, their own time, or really just being able to exercise their own gift their way without a boss or someone telling them how to do it, right? And so not all of them are multimillionaires. There are some that are just middle class, just, you know, hardworking people that are out there grinding and making life happen. But when we talk about women entrepreneurs, I, I, I did some research to pull up some stats and I'm going to go back to 2007. Okay. Um, so what I found was in 2007, of the small businesses, 7.6 million of them in the United States were owned by women. They were women-owned businesses. That was in 2007. 2012, that went to 9.9 .9 million. 2017, 
it went to 11.6 million. And uh, as late as two thousand, as late as the beginning of this year, turn of this year, uh, we're at 12.3 million small businesses are owned by women. Uh, to me, that is that's incredible. You know, to see that we, but there's still not enough. But that's still incredible. That's to, to, to see the, the the growth over the years, over the last 13, 14 years, that it's grown to and, and it almost doubled in that time period, right? So my question, I'll put it out there uh, for for those who are uh, here live on Zoom. What is driving the increase in women-owned businesses? What What is the mindset of a woman to go out and say, I want to do my own? And it doesn't have to be that, you know, you still don't, you know, whether you still have a job or not, um, there are some people out there who have a job and then on the side, they still have a business. They're still exercising their gift on the side. It might be, uh, you know, making, making chicken dinners for the church. It might be doing some, some, some artwork on the side. It might be writing or, or, or whatever. Um, it could be, uh, doing it, running a nonprofit on the side. So there are people who are out there that even though they may have a job, they still on the side are still exercising their gift with the hope that one day or likely that would be their go-to. So what's driving this increase? How do we go from 2007 from 7.6 million women-owned businesses to now 12.3 million women-owned businesses? I don't have my glasses on, so I hope those numbers are right. Uh, but how, how, how do we how do we get there, right? So I'm gonna open that up for a discussion on the floor. Y'all feel free to, to 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 chime in on that. What's driving women into having their own business? Are you on mute there? I think you're on mute, Asa. I saw you. I saw your mouth moving. I'm sorry about that. Um, I, from experience, right? Um, it's becoming a lot more respectable amongst the peers. So that's like, you know what, I have a sister and now she's a business owner. And so the more, the larger that this sense of business ownership becomes a lot, it becomes a lot easier because now you have not just one person that you've always thought, oh, you know what, their business is so successful. I just want to take a few notes from them. Now it's pretty much everybody who's out here. We're business owners, and that's a very beautiful thing, especially now, because you don't have to necessarily go this route to receive the success that you're looking for. And we have so much education at our disposable intelligence that we can just look up this or we can do that. And now because due to this thing that we're in right now, a lot more things have become more easily accessible. So now we can log on to a webinar and we can learn how to better market ourselves online. So when we take all of those things into consideration, the real question is like, you know what, sometimes why aren't you starting a business, right? Right. right. <laughs> so it, it's... Right. Beautiful, more than anything. And, and so you've worn both hats, I'm thinking. Have you been, uh, you know, in the workforce and a business owner? Yes. What, what, tell me about your experience in doing both. Like, what's what's been, uh, like, the variance between the two? If you've been the entrepreneur and then, and then you've also worked in the workplace. Um, and then for those of you just joining us on Facebook Live, again, we're celebrating Women's History Month. The first topic on the floor is talking about women in business, right? And we uh, shared some stats that from 2007 to 2021, it's the turn of this year, we went from uh, small businesses being owned, thus 7.6 million of them in 2007 were owned by women. Now we have 12.3 million are owned by women here 13, 14 years later. And so uh, we've got that question on the floor uh, for those of you on Facebook Live. And again, feel free to comment into the comment section if you want to talk about uh, any of the topics that we're, that we're bringing up. So, okay, so Asa, this question's for you. How are, how How's your mindset, you know, from being in the workforce as compared to uh, being an entrepreneur and having your own business? So I've been doing contract worker operating as an independent contractor for 12, almost 13 years now. And I decided to go into the workforce three years ago. And so let's just say we take those lapses of time and we compare them to each other. Being an independent contractor, a business owner, um, me to have a lot more control over my time. I had a very flexible schedule and I still have a very flexible schedule. And in that, I was able to learn 
certain things a little more freely, whereas my performance was not based off of what I could do in this amount of time. It was more like feedback that I would be receiving. And then from there, I would then go on to then matriculate through other trainings. So I really do enjoy the independence of being a business owner or having my own proprietary company, right? Because right. the roots of it are limitless. <laughs> and right. so then translate up to the workforce or into the common workplace, a lot of times there are more um, very rigid things that they're expecting from you. If I wanted to stay there, I would be very successful there. However, I do know that I don't want to necessarily be in a position that is not 100% love. Like the work that I do for myself is effortless. Right. Right. It's just like, okay, I have to put a little bit more into it because it's not, it's not that it's not genuine. It's just that it's not innate for me, if that makes sense. Right. Right. And, and that's, that's, that's interesting, interesting that you say, you know, uh, it, it sounds like it, it doesn't even feel like work. It's just, it's just a part of who you are because it's, it's you kind of working in your gift. Does, does that sound about right? That's 100% accurate. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and then even for any other, uh, you know, ladies on the panel as well, um, whether you're an entrepreneur uh, directly or on the side, uh, what is that for you? What what is, or for someone that you may know, what has that experience been like from what you've seen? How does that make you feel to see other women that are out there, um, you know, that's started from scratch, owned their own business, jumped out on faith, and then just went out there and and went at. It? And I'll open that up for uh, uh, Cynthia and Catherine and uh, Lisa. Well, I'm not, I don't own my own business, but I wanted to piggyback on something my sister Asa said. I think that I work with a lot of business owners that are women. Uh, and one of the things I think is, um, you said it at the outset, Ed, the mindset. I mean, if you have a mindset that says I can do this, there's a, I think there's a belief in the possibilities that is more um, prominent in the last say decade, yeah. but especially during the pandemic, I have seen more people start businesses because they got displaced uh, for whatever yeah. reason. They have taken gifts and talents, uh, whether it's cooking, whether it's um, sewing, whether it's doing consulting, they have started to do things that don't require a significant investment in bricks and mortar but allow uh, sort of their own intelligence and their brilliance and their gifts and their capabilities to be translated into businesses that can also be um, advertised through Facebook, social right. media, word of mouth. So I think there's this possibility of belief in oneself as well as uh, out of conflict, whether it be pandemic or other things that cause people to be displaced force you to get into areas that you didn't know were possible and things you couldn't, you didn't know you could do until you found yourself in this circumstance. I also see with a lot of stimulus, um, whether it has been the PPP program with the, you know, the monies that the CARES Act released, I've seen people, my sister, Cheryl, uh, started a business. It's apparel. She's in California. I should have put one of her shirts on, but it's apparel. It's called Truth Is. And so it's just simple apparel, t-shirts, sweats, sweatshirts, bands, truth is, truth is word. And that apparel is selling like wildfire. I'm y'all send me your sizes and all and addresses and I'll send you something in the mail. But it's just powerful. I was like looking at this, and you know, my sister Cheryl has got this great design capability and this great ability, and she's translated it into her own, I sent her the invitation to get on here so she could tell her own story. But I'm proud to see that out of the pandemic and out of uh, the hardship that it has foisted on certain people, this business came out of it and it's doing remarkable. Um, so I think stimulus, economic development, monies that are seed money for some um, entrepreneurs, women and men, people of color, that has allowed us to kind of break through a barrier to see what's possible. And 
And one of the things that's, that I found very interesting that you just said, Catherine, is about the displacement piece. And so it might not even necessarily be your gift. You might not even recognize that you have one, right? But you've got this ability that's like stored down on the inside of you and you don't even realize, it, you know, because we're so focused. We get so, we get so caught up in what's going on with the day to day. We get so blinded by, you know, um, I mean, I'm in this hustle and bustle, but then all of a sudden our resiliency is tested. Right. We get we get like you said, we get displaced. And so we got now we got something else that's triggering us to get out there to do something. We got to figure something out. Otherwise, you know, we're going to be, you know, looking at the two ends of the bread, trying to figure out how to survive. Right. And so all of a sudden, our mind goes into this this fight or flight mode and we start to become creative. When we start to become innovative and think about things we could do. I mean, we just birthed more uh, uh, TikTok stars than, than, than ever. You know, I don't think people even realize how funny they are. When, you know, when you start looking at some of these TikTok videos, and they, they're hilarious. But people are channeling their inner funny without even realizing that they had that in them. Now, all of a sudden, they're putting it out there for the world to see. And that's a beautiful thing that, you know, something like this can get triggered now. I'm going to pivot real quick. We'll, we'll talk about politics on mass capacity. But I, I, I have to say, I would be remiss if I did not mention the empowerment to see now Kamala Harris as a woman, the, 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 the highest ranking woman in politics. Uh, where for a while, it was Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, but now to have a vice president that is a woman creating this huge milestone. And we know what this tidal wave has been since January 20th uh, when the inauguration occurred and all the images and the moments of it, it just became real for us at that moment, you know, stemming from, you know, uh, voting back in November. But, and I don't want to get into the political side of that because I know everybody's views politically can differ, but I really want to talk about it from looking at it. I mean, these are our lawmakers for our country, right? And when you really think about it from that aspect of it, let's look at let's look at politics as a career field, right? Not not uh, the political arena that it is, but just look at it as a career field. This is a career path that people chose to do their livelihood, and that is to oversee the laws of our country, the governing bodies of our country. So I want to look at it from that aspect. That how has the rise of women in politics? empowered women in other areas by, by seeing them in the public eye. He's a public official, so they're out in the public eye. Stacey Abrams of the world. What has that done to women even outside of the political career path? How has that triggered the growth and the spurt or the pride or the honor of seeing that happen? Limitless and a role model. I mean, I, I think we talked about this last season, but when, for me, one of the major pivot points was when Michelle Obama became first lady. There was a, a sense of, regardless of politics, there was a sense of pride and um, exhilaration just to see a brilliant person, black woman in the White House, but that, you know, had all the other stuff going, whether it was Harvard or this or that, accomplished in her own right. The power of an example. So I think role models are critical. And just like with Kamala and others, our mothers, you know, women that are in our life. But I think the power of an ally, you know, just one of the things that touched me so much about season one of Max Capacity is culture born, you know, to see the way my brother supports his wife and to see you know, to see that collaboration, to see that mutual respect, you know, and, 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 and really to be um, the mantle of, of pride, not in an arrogant way, but in a way that lets you know you can do anything. If you put your mind to it, you put your heart to it, put your head to it, and you have examples that have gone before you that you can look to, they've done it. So you know if they've done it, if you put in that effort and work and you have that allyship or that support or that mentorship, you could probably do it too. Yeah. You just believe you can do it when you have those examples. So yeah. 
and, and, and let me and uh, Asa, you have some uh, comments you want to make. Go ahead, jump in and make your comment. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sister Catherine. And we really do <laughs> compliment without a doubt. Um, I do appreciate Sadiq a great deal. Um, also, seeing women in politics, even male or female candidates, when you actually look at the teams that they have, they are women ran. So the biggest campaigns you can think about are also women organized. We are beasts when it comes down to mobility and strategizing and making sure that things happen. So when you see that and then it translates to us as a whole, we feel limitless at the end of the day. So the more that we're able to see ourselves reflected on the larger scale, it's like we're all ready to be there. So it's, it's beautiful. It's a win-win for everybody. I want to throw some numbers out here real quick. Uh, regarding women in politics. Now, this is global, okay? Um, 22 countries out of 119, I want you to put this in perspective now, 22 countries out of 119 countries have a woman that's the head of state. 21% of government ministers are women. Four countries have more than 50% women in political leadership. That's Rwanda, Cuba, Bolivia, and the UAE. Four, four countries have over 50%. 36% have 133 of the reporting countries have elected women officials. Eight uh, women are governors, including the DC mayor here in the United States. Okay, so we got 50 states and the District of Columbia. And we've got eight women, including the mayor of DC. So if we exclude her and just talk 50 states, we've got seven women that are governors. We've got 24 women that are senators, okay? There's 100 senators. We've got 24 that are women, that's 24%. We've got 119 women in Congress, that's 27%. So we've got a lot of work to do. We have, we have made leaps and bounds growth, but it is not good enough. It, it, folks, it is not good enough. There is so much more work that we have to do. If there's countries out there that have 50%, only four, and we're supposed to be the, the, the trend centers, right? And so many different things. We're supposed to be leading the way in all things, right? Which we don't. We know we don't. But we're supposed to be leading the way in all things. And if we look at this, you know, to have 24% of our leadership to be women when other countries, even though only four, but we call ourselves more advanced than those four, they're at 50% or more. Matter of fact, I, I don't remember which one of them. One of them is at 63% women. And so we've got a lot of work to do. We've got a lot more work to do. And so I encourage women out there to keep, keep grinding, keep pushing at it, keep going at it, um, because you, you are a gift. You have a gift. You have, uh, you have a voice. You have a capability. You have the skills. You have the knowledge. You have the wherewithal. You have the work ethic. And you can bring this to the table to help us flip this. So anything from me I can do as a, as a, as a male ally, just let me know because I'll do everything I can to help push this forward. Because there are women out there who are doing some incredible things. But then there are a lot of women out there that are still facing a lot of barriers and a lot of challenges that we have to help navigate through that. You know, we have to continue to, I don't care if it's putting women on our shoulders and, and letting them be seen. I don't care if it's yielding the floor and yielding your time to them to allow their voice and their gift to be, to be heard and to be seen. Um, promotion opportunities lead. It, it, we're going to talk about corporate America here in a second. Um, those numbers are horrible. Well, I'm just going to give you a heads up. Those numbers are absolutely horrible. Let, let's pivot this real quick. All right. Women in corporate America. There is, I, I don't even want to share these numbers, but I'm going to. Listen to this. In corporate America, out of the Fortune 500 companies, okay, 37 women are CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. Now, this is where the number gets bad. Of those same Fortune 500 CEOs, four of them are black. 
One is a woman that's black. There is a swap getting ready to occur later this year. So there'll still only be four black CEOs. Okay. There will be two women and two men. So I, I want you to think about that. Out of five, the Fortune 500 companies, 37 are women. And by the end of this year, two of them will be black. Okay. We have so much work to do. So much work to do from, from a diversity standpoint when it comes to race and culture to the disparity with gender. So our focus is on women. So we won't get into the, um, the, the, the people of color and the, and the lack of representation there. We'll save that one for another episode. But for tonight, 37 women, only one of which right now, currently, is black. That, those numbers are this. Those numbers are, are absolutely ridiculous. Okay. That's not even reaching the, the, the horrible numbers of 24 and 27% uh, that's, that's occurring on the political side. Okay. So when we're thinking about the, the, the true representation of women, right? Because there's only so many seats in the Senate. There's only so many seats in Congress. But there are a whole bunch of Fortune 500 companies. Okay. There's a whole bunch of companies out here in corporate America. And not only do we not have it right on the political scene, but we've got it, we've got a lot more work to do on the corporate scene and the public eye. So I'm gonna put that out there um, for Catherine and Cynthia and, and Lisa and, and also Asa. I don't want to exclude you because I, I just know you're on the entrepreneurial side, so you were able to, to kind of speak more to that. But I want you to even look at it from as an entrepreneur owning your own business. Because I'm pretty sure some of your clients and everything, you know, they operate and function within corporate America. And maybe the, what you see on the corporate America side is impacting you as a small business, right? Uh, and so I, I want you to think about this, ladies. What does that say to you? And what can be done to change that message? And I'm going to put that on the floor and move out the way. I will share um, one thing. Again, I'm not, I've never necessarily been fully in corporate America, but I have worked with a, a quite a bit of Fortune 500 companies. Um, the line of work that I primarily am in is something that has always been dominated by men. And so from a very early age, I would only be the only female amongst 10 to 20 men, and we're all working together on one team. So now when it's time for me to be responsible for leadership, I already know I have 12 men on my team. But... I am also aware that it's not only men who are able or capable of doing this. So I made it a point for each and every person that I saw who was a female that had the potential to receive the skill set and then translate it with professionalism. I'm going to make sure that they have that opportunity. I'm going to make it as easy for them as possible, but still they're going to have to put in the effort and the work for it because right. it doesn't make this male dominated area to continue to be male dominated when it's very well possible that women can do the same thing, if not better. So, you know, yeah. you have to just be adamant about that. The more that you're able, I say each, each one, reach one, not teach one, you can teach it, but actually can they receive it and then apply it again? So that is how I believe that we can actually transfer those numbers to something yeah. that makes it a little bit more realistic. Um, right. Done it, but let, let's give the women a chance. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Catherine, any follow up? Yeah, it was powerful. Uh, I to echo the comments that my sister made. I, I, I put in the chat box a link to a, a study that's done annually by the McKinsey and Company, uh, you know, the powerhouse think tank out of New York, and they they update this status of women in corporate America. It's an annual study. There's also another study that talks about black women in particular, because um, black women have more challenges than what are reflected in the report on the status of women. But I think the only thing to add to this is you have to be very intentional about 
um, inclusive, being inclusive relative to promoting, advocating for, and supporting women. Um, as my sister said, you have to you have to actually make it a priority and 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 make people on your team understand it is intentional, it's important, and not only you're doing it as a leader, but you're expecting everybody on the team to do likewise because uh, there's a uh, there's a quote that um, that I like to think about when I think about our role relative to women, but it's something that Eleanor Roosevelt said, and it talked about you know to to all of the strong women, you know, to all of the strong women everywhere. May we may we know them, may we be them, and may we raise them. And the same thought process applies in the workplace when it comes to women uh, and especially women of color because of the the tremendous challenges and hurdles that we have to overcome. They're not, it, it is a difficult environment to navigate in corporate America to be successful. But when you, as, as Sister Asia said, when you're willing to put the effort forward, when you're willing to do the hard work, when you're bringing skills, capabilities, and uh, education, credentials, all that stuff to the table, you need to be given that same opportunity. And in fact, because it's not typically done as reflected in the numbers you talked about, Ed, you have to say, I'm going to be intentional about actually promoting that at a higher level. And right. I, I, was, I was talking to one of my mentees on the way home. She works at Nike. She's 29 years old. And um, she's having a phenomenal experience right now. But I said, you know, right now in America and in corporate America, it's a very powerful time to be a woman. It's an, a powerful time to be a person of color because this amazing window of opportunity has opened where most people in corporate America have become so intentional about diversity and inclusion um, that if you're willing to work hard, you're actually going to accelerate your advancement in most places that value diversity and inclusion. I mean, it is like people are seeking after people of color right. and bring them in in the C-suite and at a high level at a rate that we've, I've never seen in 35 years in working in corporate America. And so I'm like, hey, it feels good to be a woman and to be a person of color, not just because of strong black men like you guys that are on the phone, but also because allies that are in the majority population are literally pushing you and, right. and saying there are no limitations. You go for it and we're going to help you make it happen. I've never seen this in my entire yeah. career. So next year, this time, these numbers should be different, Ed. Yeah, the numbers have to keep climbing. They have to keep growing. You know, the, the, the work, especially when we're talking uh, of the Fortune 500 company, we're talking 37 women. The, the, the work is, is far, 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 far from being done. I don't know the math. I've got, I've got calculators. Like, I think that's like less than 1%. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. To see, you know, yeah. and... But it, and it's like, you know, there's opportunities that are there. And, and, and people say, well, look, you know, you're, you know, and again, you know, I know we want to, you know, we're not going to get into the diversity piece of it from a culture and race standpoint, you know, tonight. And we will pick that back up later. But, you know, from, even from a woman's standpoint, you know, looking at those type of numbers. Um, and, then, and then we ask the question like, well, hey, you know, you should be satisfied, you know, to make those comments. Aren't you satisfied? With seeing it, no, 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 we're not because we can do so much better. You know, uh, women have the opportunity to do so many more things than what than what we're showcasing them to be able to do. You know, and I don't know if you know the the, the MTVs of the world or or the Leave It to Beavers back in the past or or whatever the case. I don't know if those have messed up, you know, uh, or slowed that process down, um, but. You know, looking at, and I'm going to talk about the music industry here in, in, in a second, um, we, we've got to keep pushing things forward. And so you mentioned you mentioned diversity, equity, and inclusion with DEI. So let's touch on that, you know, real quick. I want you to think about this. I'm going to ask this question. Is it equality or is it equity? Right? Is it is it about being equal or is it about being fair? or both right and and i want you to think about this from this uh 
there's a thing called pink tax, right? And women products costing more than men products. Same, same comparable thing, you know, whether it's a razor or, or, you know, pomade for your hair or shampoo and conditioner, you know, <laughs> it, even that is not equitable. You, you see what I'm saying? Shoes, clothes, all, all these things, the, 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 that just, to me, is the evidence that there is just so much more work to be done that, you know, we don't have women out there and putting them in, in, in leadership positions or allowing them to earn their way into these leadership positions. I don't want to say put them there like we're doing them a favor because women can earn those spots, right? Just as, just the same as their male counterparts can, can and has. Um, but, but the, all these barriers have been in the way. Right. So we're moving those barriers out of the way. But even still, when we look at it, even just to go shopping, the products, the comparable products at different prices. Why? You know, why, why is that occurring? Why is that happening? You know, and I look at things like that and I say, OK. And we want to say that, that it's better. You know, I am mean, looking around. I, I see women in all kind of positions. And I'm like, man, like women have taken over. But, 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 but honestly, have they? Have, no. have women truly taken over? The numbers don't lie. The, the numbers do not lie. So if, if we've only got 24 and 27% of our, of our lawmakers in positions of power are women and, and less than 1% are in corporate America as CEOs, then no, women have not been given the opportunity to take over. We're seeing a larger presence than anything that we've seen before, but it is not equal. It is not equitable. We're still arguing over equal equal work for equal pay. You know, uh, we still we still have those arguments. Why? Why are we still having that dialogue? Why are we still having that conversation? Right? It's that, and that's why I say there's still so much more work that we have to do, but we can still celebrate what has been done. We can still yeah, yeah, celebrate. Yeah. The, 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 yeah. the accomplishments that women have achieved. But it, to me, it just, I look at it and then you hear the, well, you should be happy. You know, aren't, aren't you satisfied? No, not satisfied. I'm happy to see what I'm seeing, but absolutely not satisfied because we can do so much better because the numbers don't lie. No, and I think that, I think it all starts with leadership. It, it really does. You've got to have leadership that values um, all the contributions that can be made by the people and it values being intentional about getting better representation in the C-suite. And when you have a different composition of people sitting around the table, you get a different outcome in terms of what they value, in terms of what they promote. You know, right now, and where I work at at Marsh, um, you know, they unleashed a dashboard about a year ago and basically said anybody that can't get on board with the diversity and inclusion um, expectations, you're going to be moved out of the company. Well, a year later, 18 months later, and I'll go back to a NIA conference that you went to, Ed, a few years ago. Yeah. You were a leader in our C-suite, talk about what was being done. Well, I'm here to say 18 months later, two years later, there's some people that were sitting in the C-suite. They don't work here anymore. Their dashboard didn't look very good relative to men and women, people of color and all that. It didn't look good. And the company at the top had made a decision that we want a different outcome. So, right. you know, Really does start with people who have power and it tends right. to be men who have power in corporate America but not just white men black men have ascended right. seats of power and some women of color as well it has to be the leadership that drives it uh, our sister uh, Lisa said something about you know don't be cleaning the office and picking up after the, you know, getting the coffee and all that stuff. You really have to. I just, I just saw that. My I'm eyes like were all over the place. I just read that comment. I'm like, my eyes, my eyebrows. I don't know if y'all saw my, my eyebrows kind of hit the top of my forehead. Over here. I'm like, whoa, okay. That and but that's but that's but that's right. So you know, Lisa, y'all mind me reading the comment there because it's so yeah. powerful and it is so true. Women have to stop doing some of the things that we do by nature, right? Nature and nurture, right? Uh, we can bring amazing attributes to the table, she says. However, if we clean off the table, and, and we're talking about in the break room, right? If we clean off the table in the break room and meetings rooms, and if we're straightening up the room after the meeting is done, 
you're undermining yourselves, okay? Or uh, uh, quote unquote, we undermine ourselves, and and uh, that is such a powerful statement. See, uh, I'm telling you, that's the beauty of having a, a a woman's perspective and her voice heard. Because as a man, I wouldn't even think of that. Uh, like my mind doesn't even go there. Sadiq, I don't know if yours does or not, but for me, as man, I don't even think about it like that, but. That is such a beautiful perspective, and that's the voice that needs to be heard. That's the message that needs to come out. Um, you know, the additional comment there was, you know, uh, similar to white supremacy, with men fearing losing their power. You know, and that's and that's and that goes along with the statement I was saying. Like, well, aren't you satisfied? You know, there's there's thirty seven women CEOs. Isn't that good enough for you? No, it's absolutely not good enough. You know, and uh, see the comment from. Uh, Culture born and you know no one plays fair in business. And again, Lisa Lisa mentions a, a great comment here too. And you can be fed up and still be hungry, right? And not focusing on the lower level presence. And that let me touch base on that too because there's a lot of companies out there that and I love that Catherine that you said being intentional about this work. But there are so many companies out there that are just so satisfied with looking at their numbers. But when you look at the numbers to say, hey, we've improved, we, you know, we hired 75 percent women. But, yeah, you, you hired 75 percent women. But of that 75 percent, you put 95 percent of them in lower level positions. You know, so where's the empowerment? Where, where, you mean to tell me not one has the ability to be in a C-suite or a senior leadership capacity? Come on now. Come on. You know, five percent of your hires uh, that that were women are capable of being in a leadership role. No, absolutely not. I'm not. I'm. I am not going to believe that. Um, you know, and I and I look at that, and that's where. And Lisa, thank you so much for your comments because that is what I'm talking about as as being powerful. We 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 have opportunities to see the brilliance that women bring to the table. Just like oh, and and here's the thing. You, you, you look at, uh, and I'll use the public officials because we don't see exactly what's happening in corporate America, but we see uh, the women in, in, of Georgia that just drove this election that, that, and I'm talking about the work, not the politics, I'm talking about the work that they did, the work ethic that they had to, to flip a, a stronghold red state blue that is a lot of work, and that is credit to women and their ability to get people out to vote. You know, when, when you look at the number of women and the work that they've done uh, in Congress, and, you know, Nancy Pelosi's been a speaker of the House for, 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 for a minute, you know, and in and, and, and women's time, if we think about it, right? But prior to her, it was a whole bunch of men. So she's like she's like this on the scale of how long she's been in that seat. I mean, it's just a, just a, just a, just a small blip when they see the long historical scale of over two hundred years that that seat has been filled by men. So this is just the tip of the iceberg. You know, we're we're just cracking ice right now, right? We're just cracking ice, and we've got so much more to do. Let me let me let me let me pivot real quick to another topic. I want to talk to you real quick because uh, we're running a little bit short on time. We're going to have to carry over into doing a part two on this because this is this is really too juicy. The, the evolution of sisterhood, right? And and I'm going to tie that into. No, uh, I won't tie it into. I want that other topic to stand to stand on its own. But the evolution of sisterhood. I want you to think about moving from competing against each other for a man as compared to working together to compete against man. And this is just this is just a thought I'm putting out there. Because I recall a while back I heard a woman say, when women get dressed to go out, they don't get dressed to for for the man. They get dressed to compete against the other women. Right? I see Asa smiling and shaking her head. So I think that there's some validity to that. Now that was just that couple of women's perspective, right? So I'm gonna say this: What is this? What is this evolution of woman like? Where now it's like, you know, you're not competing for a man; 
you're competing, you're, 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 you're bonding together in this sisterhood to compete against men. Um, whether it's women in sports, whether it's women in business, whether it's women in corporate America, whether it's women in the household, what, uh, uh, what is that like? The, the evolution of women, what are y'all seeing? You know, and, and, and be able to tell that story. I see Catherine's comment here. She says, uh, we have to be, we, uh, in capital letters, I'm going to say that that's women. Uh, we have to be committed to making, to making certain that we are not uh, the first and last women in the company. Role, position, uh, that we are sowing into bringing other women along. That's, that's a nice precursor into one of my other topics I have to have here about women paying it forward. Uh, to other women. But before we do that, what, what, what is this evolution of women like, um, you know, showing up for each other? Um, the transition of gender roles, you know, uh, you know, Lisa just touched on it earlier, you know, uh, you know, I know one of my daughters, she's constantly saying like, yeah, I don't like the little gender role thing you try to play, you know, uh, you know, put me in check, <laughs> you know, I'm like, all right, well, cool. We'll take the trash out there, you know? Since your brother used to do that all the time. But no, uh, you know, really thinking about that, you know, just thinking about gender roles, you know, from a traditional standpoint. And again, you know, the, the, the kind of leave it to beaver mindset and kind of gravitating from that. But there's, there's women out there that still believe in gender roles, you know, but there's some women out there that, 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 that still don't. But then there's some women that say, hey, you can do both. You know, you can play your role as a woman, in, you know, in, in the home or in your relationship or whatever. But then at the same time, you know, there's nothing wrong with you being a bulldog and an A personality sitting at the head of that corporate table, right? And so being able to wear both hats and, and that evolution of the sisterhood and, and bonding together or, you know, women seeing other women run businesses, women seeing other women in power positions. And, you know, for men, you know, for like black men, I see another I see another black man, you know, walking down the street, you know, we got the head nod, you know, hey, what's up, bro? But what is what is it for women? You know, do y'all do y'all have a head nod type greeting to each other when you see each other out there and y'all are hustling and grinding? Uh, and and what what is that like? So let's I'm I'm, I'm shutting up now. You guys got the floor. Support is a two way street first and foremost for women business owners. In the business world, um, again. I was in a situation, still am in a situation where it's male dominated, right? But so with that being itself, I was on a mission to make sure that they knew that I could do what they could do, if not better. And I wanted to make that very clear. They knew that when I came into the room, this is what was going to happen. And Sadiq has seen it happen plenty of times. She's <laughs> my boss. Talk about the bulldog. She's my boss. That would be me. Yeah. You can just flip the switch and it's on. It's a beautiful thing, you know. <laughs> it is. To see it happening, it's like, whoa. But it's like we have something to prove. And I don't want that to ever be, to ever not be well received by whoever it needs to be received by. I understand that this is a dynamic, but I'm here to change that dynamic. They snap into attention. Too. <laughs> I don't care who. <laughs> and so I think. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, Kathy. No, Ed. I think I think that's so important. I mean, when you show up in any room, people need to know you're in the room, not because of anything other than what's coming out of your mouth is the voice of "I know who I am. I know what I know. I'm confident in what I can do." And I recognize I'm bringing value that's going to contribute to everybody in here. I mean, you, you have to, they need to know it's not just Asa walked in the room or Catherine or Lisa, and I'm not sure if Seabeard is female or male, but the point is when you come into a room, it's showtime and it's not showing off. It's just, look, I'm, I'm ready. I'm able, I'm capable. And when you leave, they're going to know that you were there. Right. Uh, we call it credentialing at Marsh. Bottom line is when you go in there, when you leave, they know somebody with the experience and the capability was in this space. Yeah. And quite frankly, more often than not, you earn that respect and they support you and bring you into other situations because you're respecting them and you're commanding respect in return. Yeah. I'm, I'm cleaning up afterwards. I'm cleaning the table. <laughs> 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 
Exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, uh, Lisa made a great comment here. She said, women have to be receptive of coaching and feedback from other women. And she says, we, in capital letters, women, uh, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it that it is women, are harsh on each other. Okay. Um, so, you know, let's, 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 let's talk about that a bit, you know, because I know, um, you know, even as a black man, you know, we can look at other young black men, you know, we get tired of the sagging pants or, you know, whatever we get, we get tired of this look or, you know, back when I was coming up, it was, boy, turn your, turn your hat around, you know, and, and, and all of those things. And so, the older men tend to get tired of seeing the young black men doing X, Y, Z, right? And it's it's this this harshness on them that just come down hard on. Well, you got to do better. And and but one of the things that I recall hearing, I was at uh, this conference for minority transportation leaders, and I recall two of the prominent black men there saying some of the problems and challenges that he sees is that they don't want to listen to that coaching or they feel as though you're too harsh on them. And now from, a, from the masculinity, chest-thumping man's world, it's, okay, well, you're just being soft. But speak to that from a woman's perspective. Is, is there a softness to women? It, are women harsh on each other um, uh, in, in certain cases? Is it a cultural thing where Black women are more harsh on, on, on Black women? Or is it uh, just women in general? Um, how is it, and then at the same time, those younger women, are they being receptive, or not even just the younger women, but even the hungrier women who are just trying to, you know, climb up the ladder, regardless of age, the coaching and the feedback, are they receptive to it? And then on the other end, the ones who are the coaches and the ones who are giving the feedback and the, ment and the mentors, are they too harsh? So that's, 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 that's it. I will try and make the answer as short and as sweet as possible. Um, when it comes down to myself and the line of work that I am in, I want to make sure that I have a relationship with the women to the point where I can be as authentic as possible. So that means if when we were working together, I saw you mess up 10 times, each time I'm going to let you know right then and there, don't do that again. What happened? Why are you still doing this? And I want to be able to talk to you just like that. I don't want to have to dull it on out a little bit or water it down. I want to be able to be as blunt as possible with you because that's what we need. And at the end of the conversation or at the end of the work experience, we can have another conversation. Um, what can I do to help you out so that way it doesn't happen again? For some people, you have to be harsh, right? But at the same time, it's not always about how harsh it is. It's just making sure that it's being received at the end of the day. Because if you, you can give somebody feedback, you can give them critiques, and everything, criticisms, everything. But if it's not being well received, then it's purposeless. So harshness is like the slippery slope kind of, especially when it comes down to dealing with people who look just like us. Um, other cultures, they have a little bit of a different approach, in my opinion, when it comes down to delivering feedback. Sometimes they want to do it in behind closed doors or um, they will be reprimanded a little differently. But I believe that when it comes down to us, we know how we communicate the best. But it, more importantly, it starts off with having an actual relationship or friendship with that person that you're working with. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think the relationship is key and it allows you it, what might uh, harsh. I, I agree that we can be harsh on our own people and our own selves. Uh, but I do think the relationship is what allows you to be able to retain relationship and build trust in the relationship so that they will perceive you as a coach and a mentor and someone who's for them right, who support this are giving the feedback because you want them to be their best. And, and we also recognize that, especially when we are truly in the minority in any situation, the standard that we have to ascend to is higher than the majority population. And right. so we, we recognize that you've got to, I believe it's true that you have to outperform sometimes when compared to the majority population. And so I do think that the harshness is muted by good relationships. It just doesn't always happen that you have that uh, when you initially give some feedback to some people. Lisa, Lisa follows up with saying like harsh from the standpoint of uh, she thinks she's all that type of perspective. It's, 
it's a competition aspect um, that she that she's referring to. You know, competition within and and is it is it this? I need to show you who's boss. It, it's you know, and you can chime in on that, Lisa. If that's kind of what it is, yeah, and then you know, kind of stemming from we, I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier about competition among women. Um, but then there's this also this 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 cheering section where you're forced together in the sisterhood, kind of pushing each other forward. But then you still have what she's saying is um, this, you know, from from the feedback, it's oh, okay, well she thinks she's all that, you know, she's playing a power move, or um, you know, she's got she's got this status now, so now she thinks she's got to do this, 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 and, and, and the other. Uh, and, and from a competitive standpoint, you know, rather than you know, maybe I should actually listen. To what she's saying is, is what she's saying accurate is what she's saying going to help me navigate you know through this process um you know because sometimes those ears have to be mature enough to actually hear and receive that feedback you know and and and, and sometimes it's just not again regardless of age the the they just might not have the mental maturity to accept that and see it as this you know competitive thing whether rather than this grooming piece of it as well you know you know, I left a couple of topics on the table uh, that we'll put in the parking lot and we'll pick back up on that next week. Uh, so we'll have to do a part two of this, of this dialogue. We're continuing to celebrate Women's History Month uh, and, and bring, bring some more, uh, you know, fire to it. Maybe dig into some of the actual uh, things that women have actually achieved and start talking about those things in a little bit more deep dive manner. But I got two other topics here I want to share that we're going to put in the parking lot. But I do want to mention this regarding the evolution of a woman. And you heard a, a few of the songs um, that I shared earlier. Uh, I won't share them again, but, uh, I, I, you know, I kind of went through as I was thinking of some songs to kind of pick out. I started going through and was taking a look at some. So I want you to think about this. Uh, there's, there's a song back in the 60s, and we're talking about the evolution of music and how music from women has also changed and has just evolved uh, into like this powerhouse of, of songs. So I made this joke earlier about going from the 1968 song My Guy right to the modern day what? Right? We go from <laughs> women singing about my guy to to singing what, right? And not saying anything's, I'm not gonna say anything's wrong just in case anybody's like okay with that, to each their own. But I'm talking about the mindset and the and the strength of the music, not whether or not it's provocative or not, okay? Because every generation's gonna think something is provocative uh, as, as music evolves. But there's a song, You Don't Own Me, back in 1964 by a lady named Leslie Gore. She wrote this song, You Don't Own Me. So you get a chance, YouTube it. Leslie Gore, You Don't Own Me. And you, you hear this song and it's of that time, you know, we're talking about the, you know, the Cleaver stage, you know, Leave it to Beaver and stuff. Women didn't come out and sing a song telling men, you don't own me back in the 60s, okay? Don't you think about the mentality and what that must have done for the, 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 the movement of feminism and the empowerment of women already starting. It might have been a song that was before its time, but it broke the ice. It was a part of the breaking of the ice for women during the 60s. And then it moves from that into 1978 with Shaka Khan coming out with I'm Every Woman, right? And now we're moving into this a, a, a different empowerment of women through song in the 70s. And then Diana Ross uh, cracking 1980 open uh, with I'm Coming Out, right? I want the world to know, right? Uh, and then moving to who we got here? Cindy Lauper coming out with Girls Just Wanna Have Fun in 1983. Janet Jackson coming out with uh, Nasty in 1986. Lauren Hill in 98 coming out with doo-wop. And of course, we got all the young ladies in hip-hop that started coming out. The Salt and Peppers, don't forget about, and Vogue uh, as well. Um, MC Light and so forth as well on the hip-hop scene. Uh, 
And then we got Independent Woman by Destiny's Child in the late 90s, 1999 it was. Tupac even chimed in on it in 93 and was just like, hey, ladies, keep your head up, right? And so we've got, we, we've got this messaging starting to come out to encourage women, to empower women, but, but sticking with the women's voice. Um, Take Me As I Am, Mary J. Blige, Golden by Jill Scott. This is in the two, early 2000s. Um, Alicia Keys with her Grammy Award song, A Woman's Worth, right? And then we move into the 2010s, uh, in the, to the teens, up to modern day, and we still got Alicia Keys and Beyonce and J-Lo and Rizzo and Cardi B and Solange. They're all out here and many, many more just sending out powerful messages through song to empower women. You know, one, one of the songs, uh, my daughters love playing it, especially for some reason when I'm around. Um, but the, the song by J-Lo, I Ain't Your Mama, I'm like, really? You know, you're going you to play that right while I'm right right here. Uh, but no, this, it's, it's that type of empowerment through music. And we know that music is always about shifting and moving the needle of time and, 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 and pushing the agenda and pushing that message. And women artists have done such a great job with using their gift and their platform that they have and the microphone that they have in front of their face to be able to push that message of encouragement through music to help the movement of women evolve. And now it's finally at the stage where the ice is truly broken and the I can only imagine what's getting ready to happen. Like the floodgates are about to be open, you know, and that's why I say we've got so much more work to do. You know, yeah, we got 24%, 27%. We got less than 1% over here, corporate America, politics, and all this kind of stuff. You know, we don't have enough women out here doing enough. Uh, and, and they're so gifted at being able to do it. They're not given the opportunities or they're being blocked or whatever the case might be. And we got to continue to push. We got to continue to allow those floodgates to open so that women can continue to shine and bring us their gifts to help change this world and make this world a better place. Because at the end of the day, it's all about the love, right? And, and you know, Lisa, you kind of touched on it a little bit. Um, the, the, the one thing that women have that men just don't have, and it, it is that nurturing aspect. Women bring this nurturing aspect to the table that has been missing. And men, we just don't have, we, we just don't. And, you know, you women have both the nature and the nurture down pat. And I think if we have the opportunity, oh yeah, uh, Catherine just put respect from Aretha into the mix. Absolutely. <laughs> How did I miss that one? Yeah, that's gotta be mentioned for sure. R-E-S-P-E-C-T, that's right. Um, but we have this opportunity to continue to, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, you got, Men like me, men like Sadiq, you know, I know Sam's not here, but I know he's doing a lot of incredible things as well in supporting his wife and women as well. You have so many male allies out there that you don't have to take a sledgehammer to this big old rock standing in front of you alone anymore. But you've got men out there as your allies that are going to support you, that are going to continue to push your agenda, push your message, you know, give you the mic, share the mic, pass the mic. And, and, and allow your gifts to shine because you have something special inside of each and every one of you. And so that would be my message to you. I don't want to leave the closing remarks for today before we shift over to our uh, virtual where we're going to go off live, no recording, uh, and just kind of let our hair down. You're more than welcome to join us. If you click the link on the Zoom chat, uh, feel free to come and join us. Uh, but I'm going to leave the closing remarks to our, our, our two women guests with Cynthia and Lisa. If you want to put them in the comments section or you want to open mic and just say it yourself, feel free to. And then Catherine, um, after they leave their comments, I'd like for you to go. And then Sister Asa, if you can leave your closing remarks and we'll close out with Asa and then we'll end the show uh, with the recording. And then we'll go into the virtual back office and hope that you're able to join us in our max capacity VIP backstage virtual lounge. Uh, but uh, Cynthia, Lisa, any comments from you? You can either open mic or you can put them in the comments section to close us out for tonight's uh, season one episode celebrating Women's History Month. Thank you, Lisa. Lisa said this was a great session. I appreciate you, Lisa, so much. Catherine, I'll turn, it, turn the mic over to you. Uh, any closing remarks you'd like to leave? 
Uh, this is, I agree, it's been a great session. I think for me, it kind of comes down to considering others uh, higher than yourself and really mm -hmm. looking with some intention toward how can I uh, be my best self by working to see that other people, that I'm helping other people be their best selves, gender aside, but especially as it relates to women, but how can I deposit something that helps everybody mm -hmm. their best self and helps everybody have the potential to realize their greatest potential. I do mm -hmm. believe that words have a tremendous amount of power. And I like the fact that you integrated music into this because I sing a lot to myself to encourage myself, but the words that we sing and the words that we speak have such tremendous power. They do. Empowering one another. And so that's what I think I need to focus on as it relates to building uh, other women up and people in general. So thanks for the forum, Ed, as usual. Absolutely, absolutely. And then uh, Sister Asa, we will close out with you uh, for any closing remarks that you have in celebration of Women's History Month. Ed, you know, it's always a pleasure to be here, especially with the rest of the panel. Um, thank you for everybody who tuned in. I would just actually like to leave everybody with a few words from the great and the world-renowned Maya Angelou. And phenomenal woman, she closes like this. Now you understand just why my head's not bowed. I don't have to shout or jump about or have to talk real loud. When you see me passing, it ought to make you proud. I say it's in the click of my heels, the bend of my hair, the palm of my hand, the need for my care, because I'm a woman, phenomenally. Phenomenal woman, that's me. So for all of my sisters, stay phenomenal, and we will continue to change the world, one of us at a time. I got goosebumps. I got goosebumps. I'm not saying any more after that, but I will say this. Thank you, number one, for being with us tonight, to all of our guests that are here on Zoom, for my co-hosts, Thank you so much for being here. Uh, let's make sure we keep Zakia in our prayers and lift it up uh, as, as uh, she has a medical staff. Uh, we pray that they, they watch their hands touching our sister and we make sure that she's in, in, in a good place. But for all of you that were able to join us tonight and for those of you that are watching the recording, we thank you for taking time to listen in. This will be uploaded within the next 24 hours onto the podcast through Anchor FM, okay? And you'll be able to find this uh, on the Google platforms, on Spotify as well, to be able to listen in while you're driving back and forth to work or wherever you might be going in your travels. Uh, I'll share that link onto my Facebook page and also in the Mass Capacity group. This was a bonus, putting this out here on my page. You guys got to start, you guys got to jump over to the Mass Capacity group. We'll continue to dialogue throughout the week. Those of you that are members within the group, feel free to keep your comments going. Uh, share this link. And feel free to invite other people to the Mass Capacity Group. And next time you come out next Friday, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. On the, on the West Coast, 8, 8 p.m. Central Time, bring somebody with you, okay? So that we can continue to have healthy dialogues to make this world a better place. Because at the end of the day, it's all about the love. It's all about taking care of one another. We're going to continue this series and do a uh, second part of this next week. We've got some more topics we want to bring up for you. Uh, but... I'm going to leave this right there. If you want to join the virtual lounge, you're more than welcome to join. But Asa hit it with Phenomenal Woman from Dr. Maya Angelou. And for that, you guys have a wonderful weekend. Be blessed throughout the week and do everything you can to be magnificent. I appreciate you. Join Max Capacity Friday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Pacific.